Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by paranormal investigator Dave Schrader. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Psychic medium, Cindy Kaza. Hey, everybody. And equipment technician, Shane Pittman. Hey, y'all. Of the Holzer Files, which is on the Travel Channel. It's very cool to have you guys here. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. Yeah. So for people not aware, can you give them an idea of who uh, Hans, Hans uh, Holzer was? Well, uh, Hans Holzer, Dr. Holzer, was um, one of the most uh, prolific, I guess, of, of the original ghost hunters here in the United States. At least he certainly made it a lot more mainstream. Wrote over 140 books on every aspect from ghosts to poltergeists to uh, witches and, and UFOs. Uh, the guy was really kind of into all of it. And... He, as I said, kind of made it mainstream, brought it out of the out of the shadows and made it okay to talk about. And you saw him on shows like In Search Of and Sightings and things like that. So he really was was one of the forefront um, people in this field to, to, you know, investigate it in a serious way and try to get answers, not just, yep, it's haunted. He wanted to know who, what, where, and why. So how, how did the show originate that you guys would uh, have like uh, his files and, you know, his old uh, stuff that he investigated? Alexandra Holzer, his daughter, had been working with our production company for a while on, on a couple of concepts. And uh, this is the one that kind of stuck with the networks. They liked it. Then they reached out to each one of us for our individual um, expertise and ask, asked us, asked us, asked us to come. They to, asked us to work with yeah. It's fitting for the first step. To come together and, and work as a team to, uh, to do this. And uh, that was, that was the beginnings. And it's really been a, a rarefied air kind of concept to be able to follow in the footsteps of this legendary investigator and re-examine these cases with a, you know, 21st century eye and technology that were not available to him at that time. Mm-hmm. So none of you uh, three knew each other beforehand? Uh, we all knew of each other, but, you know, we weren't working together as a team at that point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cindy, what did you think of the whole idea? Uh, I actually loved it. You know, um, as I've said a couple time and times in other interviews, I never really thought that I would do paranormal TV per se, because the world of mediumship and the paranormal community are actually a little bit separate, right? Um, but when I found out what the concept was, I was super excited because Hans Holzer really loved mediums. He was like an advocate for mediums. And so I knew that my work would be represented and respected. Um, and, and so also knowing that I'd be able to go into these locations and tap into what I was feeling, but then also have it either validated or not through technology um, and through the work of my awesome, you know, co-stars, it was really exciting. It's a really exciting opportunity. Um, and the locations are just really phenomenal and really, really interesting. So to me, it was like once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to go into these locations that had been really extensively investigated and documented. And I don't think that uh, I'll get an opportunity like this again. So it, it's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cindy mentioned uh, technology, and Shane, like, is your background in uh, technology, which came first, I guess, you like your interest in, in the technology side or uh, supernatural and paranormal? Well, it came in hand in hand because I had experiences from an early age, and once I found out that there was technology that could test some of the things that I was experiencing, I was hooked at that point. So it's kind of a 
hand in hand situation. I, I fell in love with both pretty much at the same time. Um, what I love about this show is being able to bring the technology kind of more to the forefront because back when Hans Holzer was doing a lot of his cases and investigating, he didn't have the technology that we have now. So to be able to bring that to the table is really exciting for me. I'm just happy to be a part of it. Uh, Tristy, you have a question? Cindy mentioned the awesome locations you guys get to venture to. I'm wondering if you have a favorite location that you've investigated, each of you. That's a tough one. Because they're all so different. It's hard to say. I can't really say I have a favorite. Um, I think I tend to really like the stories that that are unsolved or we get like thrown curveballs or something comes up that like that I'll get something in and it takes the story down a totally different direction that none of us were anticipating. I mean, that's really fun that we're able to have all the history already, right? Like I don't have access to it before going in, but the guys do. And then for me to tap into something that takes it down a different path, that's exciting. It's exciting for me too, you know, to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And for me personally, I think our premiere episode of season two is one of my favorites because it's an unconventional location. I, normally we go to um, houses, things like that. And in the premiere episode uh, for season two, it's a whole different location. And you guys will be able to check that out more whenever it airs, but it, it's, it's an unconventional location and it's something new that, you know, we didn't do in season one. So it's kind of a favorite for me. It is one of my favorites too, Shane. I agree. Yeah. Premiere of season two is pretty exciting. Yeah. We got to see it and it is, and it's really cool that it's kind of the combination of two different uh, stories. Mm -hmm. We haven't even seen it yet. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Shane's waiting for his favorite location. He's really hoping that at some point, Dr. Holzer visited a haunted Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Oh God. You know what? I would love that. If that was possible, I would absolutely love that. (laughs) I'm with you, Shane. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dave. I've got to say though, favorite locations wise, any place that is rich in history, um, the Morris Jumel Mansion in season one, to stand in the room George Washington used as his operation center during the war. Um, yeah. to this season, the Surratt Tavern, the location that John Wilkes Booth made his way to after assassinating Abraham Lincoln and hearing the stories and kind of de-evolving the fables of history that have been told and finding the reality of them. Uh, the conference house, we stood in the room where Ben Franklin negotiated, tried to negotiate peace with Britain. And to me, those are just, holy cow, we're, we're in history. We're a part of that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not those specific moments, but uncovering the stories that lie below the surface or sometimes have come since. That's really exciting to me. This year, I think Franklin Castle is probably my favorite uh, location we did in Ohio because it was a very um, personal story to me and uh, very emotional with what took place. And I think we caught hands down one of the best pieces of uh, paranormal evidence I've ever seen. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, This season was crazy. I mean, I I can, I, I can speak for myself, but I think I can speak for everybody else that we caught some of the best paranormal activity. I think that any of us have ever seen on camera. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing, honestly. 
Uh, Dave mentioned, you know, um, taking like the uh, finding the reality, like in the fable. So it, it, when you investigate someplace that's not as well known, is that easier or harder since you don't, you might not know as much about it, but you also don't have to deal with uh, preconceived notions about the, about the area. Well, let me just speak first. Like, I, I think I was snoozing doing, during U.S. history because I am, like, <laughs> we'll be in a location and I'm like, oh, God, I feel, like, so ridiculous because I don't, like, <laughs> right? So, um, the, the, but, but I personally, um, I enjoy going into locations. I, I like going in blind because it screws me up if I know too much just because of that. Like, because the mind wants to make a story out of everything. That's how the mind works. So, I like going in completely blind. I work better that way. Um, so the, the less I know, the better. So I kind of operate like that all season. Yeah. Well, I think with the locations that are more well known, um, sometimes you, because you're looking at the surface level and you know about all the stories. And sometimes I think that's more challenging because, you know, you have to dig deeper and because what we're going into is we're getting the foundation of Hans's files, right? And then we're going in seeing how that correlates and seeing any additional things that we can add to the case file. And sometimes there's a lot of folklore, a lot of stories that are way out there that are not factual at all. So digging deeper to get to the truth, that can be challenging at times when you have all of these stories that are believed to be true that aren't necessarily true. So... And those stories, can I just, sorry, to, they'll just tie this up. The, the stories can create energy of their own. We found that in season two, right. where the yeah. actual stories are an energy of their own and leave an imprint in a location. So as a medium, it was super interesting to walk in and pick up on all this stuff, not knowing, is that a story? Is it real? But it's still there. Right. The energy of the story is still there. Interesting. Right. And when people come there expecting this to happen because it's part of the legend and lore, I give Cindy a lot of credit uh, because I, I've said, and I'll stick by it. There are times Shane and I have gone through and poured through these case files and read everything we can on it. Cindy will start tapping in and the two of us are looking at each other like, I don't know where she's coming up with this. This doesn't match anything that we have at this point, but it always stirs us to dig a little deeper. And mm -hmm. that gives us the opportunity then to uncover parts of the story. And then it it's eerie how accurate Cindy is with, with what she uncovers that, none of us knew or knew were associated with this. And then we can prove that a, she was right. And B, this is a big part of the story. Nobody's spoken about. And, and with the folklore of some of these locations like Whaley house, that was our very first investigation together as a team. And I thought, what the hell could we possibly bring to the Whaley house? This has been on every TV show and mentioned in every book. What more is there to uncover? And the exciting parts for us I think as a team is realizing there's so much more, you know, yeah. we the Whaley house after all of these years and we were given access to letters, you know, we all know the story of, of the haunting now and everybody believes it's the Whaley family. What a lot of people didn't realize was that the Whaley's themselves were haunted and that they were dealing with ghosts. And we saw the handwritten notes back and forth to them, acknowledging the spirits in the home. And that's really amazing to me. There was still more to uncover and bring things to light. So I kind of like the challenge of going in and, and Franklin Castle this season is a big one for that. There are all of these legends that surround this house, all of these historic reports and stories. And we really kicked this case file open. And 
for the first time, I think on really any of the paranormal TV shows that have covered it, we, we have a pretty major breakthrough uh, with, with getting the history right. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to be a part of these programs. I mean, aside from the three of us, we've got, uh, Gabe Roth, who's really digging into the research, Alexandra Holzer, who brings the really unique insights of her father's investigations. And then we've got a team behind us that helps, you know, we don't have all the time in the day to do all the research. So we might go, Hey guys, can we look into this? And we have researchers that'll dig through to find nuggets or find somebody we can talk to about this. And, and deliver it. And it's, we, I couldn't ask for a better team around all of us than we have in front and behind the camera. And I got to give a lot of credit to our camera and sound guys and gals because they are amazing at doing what they do and sticking with us through every beat of the story. And, and for me, part of the excitement is watching your cameraman filming you. And as something weird starts to happen, you see the cameraman go, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? But they don't break. They hear footsteps walking up behind them and they don't turn and they see our terrified looks or responses and they don't move, man. They, they are diligent with what they do. So the whole thing is just amazing to me. Yeah. To follow that up, to follow that up real quick with what Dave was saying, we're so blessed to have such a cohesive team. I mean, from the production on, uh, we're so blessed because uh, I don't think the show would be what it is without them. Yeah, I agree. We have, we're really lucky. Yeah. yeah, without them, we'd just be three really incredibly good looking people walking around. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Eating eggs. Uh, inside joke. True. Uh, Trista, do you have a question? Shane, can you give us a brief rundown of some of the equipment? Uh oh. Trista's cutting up on us. Cindy, we need you to communicate with her side. Just one second. She's saying, can you give us a rundown of equipment? I'm just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> a rundown of equipment in season two? Is that what you're saying? Some of the equipment that you use? I nailed it. Look at that. So in season two, what you're going to see is some equipment that you have not seen on any show before. Uh, I've been working closely with a lot of innovators in the field, a lot of people that build things to test certain theories. So there's a couple of cameras that I'm using in season two. Uh, one's called the RAD 559, which uses LIDAR technology and it also uses um, different other cameras and things like that, that map out a room that can tell you depth perception, can tell you distance all of that on your screen. You're going to be seeing that in season two. I'm also using a track cam, which has 12 different applications that I can use to test different things in the environment, in the room. You're going to be seeing that. Of course, the digital recorders that we always use, the thermal cameras, that is one of my favorite things to use. You'll see me using a lot of um, just things like that, but you're going to be seeing some new equipment. Um, also things that test um, static electricity and how that correlates to your environment. Um, going to be seeing a lot of cool stuff in season two. Mm -hmm. um, Cindy, uh, in, in the season premiere in season two, I saw you doing automatic writing. Uh, can mm -hmm. you just describe like the feeling when that's going on? 
Yeah. So automatic writing, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the things that really, I mean, I've had this ability my whole life. Um, but when I really had a massive, like, oh my gosh, I can't avoid this anymore. It's, it's not going away. It was through automatic writing. And it's interesting because it's not like I'm hearing the words in my head and then writing it down. It's actually all coming through like a stream of consciousness. So I'm seeing it come out on the paper the same time that everybody else is, if that makes sense. So like, I'm just a surprise when something comes out because I haven't heard it first. It's just coming through. So it feels, um, I mean, I really have to like surrender and just kind of give control to the spirit world at that point. But it can be a little bit uh, intimidating, especially when you're dealing with energy that you don't particularly care for. And then it's there. So... I like automatic writing. I love it. It's a useful tool, but th- there's a part of it where I, I can feel a little bit like, I don't know what I'm stepping into, but I have to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, go on, sorry, Dave, sir. We'll, we'll break news for you. We, we do something innovative this season with a couple of tools. I don't think anybody's ever done before. And uh, Shane and I were really excited. We actually um, grabbed Cindy by the legs and walked her around. Her hands pointed in front of her as a human dowsing rod. I don't think <laughs> used the medium that way on TV before. But. Interesting. Yeah, that wasn't in the episode we saw. So no, the, the cutting room floor. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. That's like the bonus feature at the end of episode 13. My favorite part is when it beeps louder when we get closer to the ghosts. <laughs> how long does it take to film, uh, you know, 13 episodes for a season? How long, how long do you stay at each uh, place? Or does it depend on the episode? Each location is, is five to six days. And anywhere between um, eight to twelve hours on set, uh, being there. Now, again, you had to give credit to the production because they're there even longer, setting up, getting the lighting right, making sure everything's ready for us to go, uh, setting up the the tables, chairs, whatever we need for the interview section. So our our team works really hard, but they're they're incredibly long days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tristy, yeah, uh, Tristy, you have another question. I'm interested in the audition process for a, a medium. Ooh, it wasn't really an odd. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of was an audition, but what's interesting is, is I had already met with uh, some of the executives from travel channel years prior because I was uh, quote unquote auditioning for a different, a different show. So I went in and I'd already done readings for some of the executives. They had seen me work. So when Holzer Files came, came to be, um, I, I guess I had already done that part of it. So it wasn't necessary for me to go back in, but, but usually, you know, what I did and usually for most mediums, you have to do a reading. So I flew into discovery networks, the, um, headquarters or whatever. And I did readings for three executives and then for a group of people. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that's part of the gig. Right. Um, but I think also, because I had worked in the, I've worked in the field for many years. Um, you know, people have seen me work on stage. So, you know, all of the stuff that I've done over the years kind of built up to this moment, you know, that saying, uh, luck is when opportunity and preparation meet, <laughs> you know, there's really no such thing as luck. So I feel like the opportunity came, but I was also prepared for it. Yeah. Was, was there a specific moment for each of you when you would say you became a believer? I was always a believer. Same with me. I mean, I had experiences as a very young child uh, with visitations from my grandmother and then grew up in a haunted house. So 
it's always been a part of my world. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's what makes us kind of unique is we've all been steeped in that throughout our entire lives. Right. Yeah. Same with me, early age, having experiences and it kind of led into what I do now. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was that like for your family, Cindy? Uh, if you, you know, uh, starting this at an early age, were they supportive or? Well, I didn't start that? working as an early age, right? Like how to experience. But even just having experience. I mean, I don't know if you talked like with. Your I, I, I didn't talk with them about it. No, I mean, my family, especially on my dad's side, like super Catholic family. Um, my aunts were nuns, you know, uh, I, my mom, uh, very, you know, was, was born again Christian. So like I grew up in a pretty religious environment, uh, and I didn't even really understand my experiences fully. I knew they were real, but I didn't really understand them and they scared me. Um, so it really wasn't until I, I was in my twenties that I was like, yeah, Hey, this is real. And everybody's been super supportive. And if they haven't, they don't say anything to me, which I appreciate. <laughs> Who knows? They could be being like, Cindy's a little crazy, but I'm like, Hey, you know, it's part of what it is. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you said you grew up in a haunted house. How, how would you define uh, haunted? You'd be upstairs and you could hear people talking downstairs when there was no one home. You'd be downstairs and you could hear footsteps upstairs and things moving and couldn't explain it because everybody was accounted for. Um, at night, we would hear noises constantly. And my dad, you know, he's a tough Chicago Polak construction worker, right? And and nothing shakes this guy. And there'd be times he'd be down in the basement and come skittering up the stairs because he'd hear voices down there or or things moving around him. So it wasn't just one of us having an experience. And I used to have a wall, I had a basement bedroom, and it was littered with 1980s, you know, posters, movie posters, Springsteen, the Beatles, whatever. And I had one wall where nothing would stick to the wall. So I actually had a flag hanging in front of the wall. And there were times all of a sudden you just start to see the flag start moving by itself, like something was coming through the wall towards it, and there was no vent near it. Wow. Uh, Tristy, you have a last question? I'm sure there are lots of hunts that you guys aren't able to investigate. So I'm wondering how you ascertain which ones you'll do. A lot of it has to do with what places are still open or available to us. You got to remember when Hans Holzer started this 60 years ago, these were modest homes in Connecticut, New York, New Hampshire, and now they're multi-million dollar homes. And it's just, some of them just aren't available. Some have been torn down or burned down or lost to time. So a lot of it is just in finding the places that are still open, that are still having activity or have questions that remain for the homeowners or the principals involved in this. So that's really what kind of opens up the dynamic for us and what we're going to continue with next. Well, October 29th, season two premiere of the Holzer Files on the Travel Channel's part of Ghosttober. It's very cool to have all of you guys here. Thanks for having us. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Bye. 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 See you later. Bye. Stay safe, everybody. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. Oh, hi. My name is Todd Farmer, and I put Nicholas Cage in space, and welcome to my tool shed. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about voting. And I know you're going to vote because you're smart, and because you love our country, and you love our planet, and you love our children in the future, and you know that there is an idiot in charge. So I need you to vote, and I know you will vote, but if you could do what I'm going to do and reach out to a couple of others, because there are a lot of people who didn't vote in the last election. There are also a lot of people who voted for an idiot in the last election, and they know it. They've seen it. Four years, the smart ones on that side know. So I've reached out to a bunch of people I went to college with. I went to a small Christian college, grew up in a small town in Kentucky. Slowly and privately, I'm reaching out to some of them to talk to them about it, and you know what? It's worked. A lot of people who voted for Trump are going to vote for Biden this time. And a bunch of people who didn't vote last time will vote this time. So do what you can, because we got this, and we have to, because he's already out there saying if he loses, it's because we cheated. And we're not going to cheat. We're going to vote. So thanks for listening, and uh, we're going to win this thing.